Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense, with your three favorite podcast hosts. I am Tavares Ferguson, here with my co-hosts, Byron Evans and Orazio Mancarella, in no certain order. Byron, introduce yourself to the people. What's going on, Byron? You may hear them refer to me as Buff from time to time on this podcast. Uh, man, we just hope y'all enjoying this as much as we are, man. We're having a good time talking about different topics, so... Continue to subscribe, tell a friend, kick back, and just listen to us and enjoy. Rise is your time. Yo, what's up, everybody? Thanks for uh, joining in, talking with us. However you listening to us, we appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, we're going to give you our all, and uh, just enjoy it. Appreciate it, fellas. As I said, I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. And once again, you're listening to Three Brothers No Sense. And before we go much further, I do want to take a, a moment to uh, pay special tribute to our beloved former principal of John L. LaFleur High School, uh, Dr. Frederick Marshall. He passed last month, and I feel like we shouldn't go much further without taking a moment of silence to honor uh, the great, late, great Fred Marshall. So give a moment of silence, fellas. Well, all right. Appreciate that. That's a hard way to start a show, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't give that uh, tribute to Mr. Marshall. Well, fellas, how was your week so far? Or you were kicking off the week. How was last week? Oh, man, it was good. But before we get into that, though, I want I want to know what was you guys favorite Fred Marshall memory? Because for me, I'll never forget the time that I uh, I almost ran over somebody in my truck. Um, it was an accident. I came off the clutch too fast and it jerked. So I just want to let y'all know that it was not on on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it, was, it was a little bit of an altercation. Uh, and so, but with that, Fred, he came, he grabbed me um, after all everything was over. And he was like, you know, you, you are effing up. He just t- told me straight up. He's like, you are effing up. He's like, you got so much ahead of you and I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to see that happen. Uh, so we're going to have to figure this out, but I'm not going to let you go down. And that let me know right there that he really did care and, and wanted, wanted me to succeed as, as much of a, you know, he'd come out and he'd be on us and he'd like, just call us out on whatever was going on. He really did care that every last one of us made it. Uh, and so, you know, big ups and Fred. Love Mr. Marshall uh, to death. And, you know, that that was just, I, I love that man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> look at you. 
That was pretty dope, man. You asked what our favorite moment was. It's, it's kind of hard to pick one. Uh, I'll give you two quick ones. One, we both have a good friend in Wendell Grant, a.k.a. Slim, also a.k.a. Cuddy. Um, I think it was in like ninth or tenth grade, man, and Wendell had been cursing, and Mr. Marshall <laughs> heard him and was trying to get his attention as Wendell was walking away, so he just was like, Grant, Grant, and Wendell kept walking, so he caught up with Wendell later on that day and said, Grant, why didn't you come here? You know, I know you heard me calling you. Oh, sorry, Mr. Marshall, I ain't hear you calling me. You go to my damn office. I bet you heard that. <laughs> so that's, that's one of them, and the other one, Ferg, I believe you was there with me. It was, it might have been the first week of senior year. Uh, we did so much skipping, it's kind of hard to know. But um, we were getting ready to skip school, and we were just trying to figure out where we were going to go. And I think we were supposed to be in PE. And it was like me, you, two or three other people. Like, man, let's go here. Nah, nah, man, I'm telling you, man, we should go there. Look, we need to make up our mind before Mr. Mark. I swear to you to this day, folks, I don't care what you think about me. Mr. Marshall came out the ground. There's no way he walked up on us. We were in an open parking lot, y'all. Anybody that went to the floor, y'all know how that school is built. We was in an open parking lot. He came out of nowhere. It's like he stepped through a portal like Thanos or something. Like he came out of nowhere, bro. And he was like, uh, 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 Tavares, Burr? Where you supposed to be at? He's like, oh, uh, we're we running late for PE, Mr. Moss. But, you know, he just he just found a way to to be everywhere. And uh, he really kept that school in line, because if you know, you know, the type of area that LaFleur is in and stuff, it, it definitely could have been a lot more rough than what it was without his leadership. So for all of us to be 38 years old and be paying tribute to a high school principal, that should let you listeners know how much that man meant to us. I, I, the crazy thing is, I was there for both moments. Uh, we were on our way to court, actually, by our second day of school, senior year, got sent home. He didn't tell you that part. <laughs> 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 so we were trying to skip, and we got <laughs> four skips. So uh, my favorite Mr. Marshall moment came junior year at a talent show where Rizzi was there. Uh, we actually had another one. Our homeboy, Lorenzo, was there and some of our friends from the band, young ladies. And we did a we had a dance routine. And at the we, talent show. Yep. At the talent show. And the crazy thing was we wanted to make a name for ourselves at the talent show with this dance. And all went as planned. We we danced. We were getting housed. Everybody was enjoying it. And just about the time we planned for Mr. Marshall to cut the music, because that was his thing when it got a little too raunchy, I'll use those words, he would cut the music. And from our understanding, that was the end of it. So Mr. Marshall cuts the music. We run over there to the junior section and to applause and cheers. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I'm looking at the junior class and you literally see them go from 60 to zero in no time flat. Like you saw people cheering and then you saw them slowly quieting down and sitting down. And as they sat down, I turned around just in time for Mr. Marshall to grab me on my shoulder and say, you know, you're going home, don't you? <laughs> Unfortunately, none of the rest of the people that performed the routine with me saw Mr. Marshall. 
Then the ladies saw him. They ran. Thank you for abandoning us, ladies. Um, Rosie and our homeboy Lorenzo were still cheering, trying to figure out what was going on. And that's when I had to deliver the news that Mr. Marshall told us we're going home and we need to go to his office. Uh, we sat in his office all day. He talked to us about his disappointment in us, called our parents to the office, told them that how much he expected us from us and how disappointed he was in us and uh, took care of us. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. We got, once again, sent home from school, which was kind of the theme of... It was actually my birthday, too. So, yeah. you know, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, no, I didn't. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> didn't really get in a lot of trouble, but it, 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 it was fun, man. Mr. Marshall kept us laughing, kept us rolling, but he had great intentions, so... Yeah. Um, He's- he saved us twice that day because um, that routine, we literally had nothing planned after that part of the routine because if, if he didn't cut us, we didn't know what we were going to do because yeah. <laughs> we knew how bad that routine was at that yeah. point. We were like, yeah, yeah, this is right about the time he's going to cut us. Yeah, because of all that gyrating of the pelvis. Those were his words. <laughs> all that gyrating of the pelvis. He got on the mic. Uh, told the rest of the student body if they have anything like that going on in their routine, they might as well not even perform. And um, so we were the scapegoats, the guinea pigs, or whatever. But um, once again, thank you guys for giving us a second to pay honor to Mr. Marshall. For our visitors, our listeners, please leave your comments and give us your favorite Mr. Marshall moments. So getting on to our the regular show, the show is, as you know it, we're going to start off with our questions. And as usual, I will kick us off. So, fellas, over the past few weeks, we talked about our wives and our kids a lot. And so I want to come full circle and ask a question that encompasses both. So all three of us on here are married with at least one kid. And in my interactions, a lot of my friends, both male and female, a lot of times we wrap our duty as husband and father in one, or especially when it comes to wives. They, I see that a lot. They wrap the motherhood and the wife being a wife into one. So my question comes, if you had to give yourself a letter grade or a grade, mm-hmm. I would rather do a number grade. As a husband, what would it be? Likewise, if you had to give yourself a, a grade as a father, what would that be and why? We're doing on a scale of one to 10? I need, oh, I need an eight. I need, I need oh, a oh, letter grades, letter grades. I want to give myself a 95 or a, because what, what works better? You want to do... Now we can do we can do letter grade. Yeah, we can do letter yeah. grade. Yeah. So what well, number numeric no, no, grade? Numeric, yeah. All right. Um Who wants to take this first. As far as um you said a husband, yes, husband first. As far as a husband, I think I would give myself somewhere around an an eighty-five, uh, you know, which is considered very good, not quite great. I'm uh, in room to improve. So I'm always looking for ways to improve. I randomly will ask her from time to time, hey, is there anywhere where I'm falling short? Is there anything that you would like me to do better, do less, do more, et cetera? Um, so I'm I'm always trying to, I realize I, I will always have blind spots. And so 
I try to ask her and I'm always trying to do better. Sometime in our chats, you know, we discuss our spouses and uh, I'll get advice from you guys as well. So somewhere around in, in 85, as far as a father, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect, but uh, I do my best. And so that's going to have to be high. I mean, well, I'll say low 90s, like a 93, 94, something like that. Um, you know, my job kind of keeps me away from her. Plus, some of the extracurricular stuff I do with the amateur boxing judging and stuff, but I try to set aside, we, t- we talked about this before, set aside uh, daddy-daughter days where it's just me and her. It's all about me and her that whole day. She appreciates those. Uh, I try to take interest. We talked about her sketch art. I take, you know, interest in what she takes interest in. So, uh, but again, there's always room to improve. I don't think anybody's perfect, at least in my opinion. So, a 93 as a dad, 85 as a husband. Cool. Rosie, it's on you. Buff, I, I'd, I'd put you uh, in, in like 98, 99 on that parent part, man. Like no, we, 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 man. no, man, we, you know, we talked about it last time. Like you are that guy that was like, okay, yeah, that's it right there. That's, I, I got to make sure I'm, I'm emulating that. So, but for me, the marriage side of it, I'd probably go with a, a, a 89, maybe bumping into a 90, only because, it, like Byron said, it, you, you got room to improve. There's always stuff. I I, um, I fly off the handle sometimes. Like yes, I'm probably yeah, the most yeah. even keel uh, person that you can really kind of think of. But the problem is I don't share that that frustration until I blow up. So um, even keel, even keel, even keel, then I just blow up and um, – and so I, you know, I have to watch that and make sure that I'm checking for it. But that's probably why I bring myself down to in the eighties instead of being in the nineties. Uh, but you know, it is, I'm, I'm going to provide, I'm going to do my all I spend time, uh, and all of that, but it, it's just, just watching those times that it does kind of start getting to me. And I guess not sharing my, uh, emotions until I'm ready to blow up is another part that probably brings me down. Uh, because I'm not consistent with sharing those emotions for as a parent, I I'm probably going to be a little hard on myself mainly because having to be that remote parent with Haley, I think that brings me down a little bit. So I'd probably say 83, 84, I give myself a B, you know, because like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be there. I'm going to give as much time as I can. We talk, we laugh, we do things together. Um, but especially me having Sophia and Oliver here with me and then Haley not being able to be with me. I see the differences. And so just uh, me being away from her brings me down just because I couldn't be there. Not necessarily it's my fault or anything like that. I don't blame myself for the situation. What I do is I blame myself because she has to deal with that situation. And, and so that that's where I bring myself down on that one. Okay. Okay. That's a very interesting spin. I didn't think about that. So I'm going to throw a spin back. So in not separating separating your kids or putting one of the other body body means, but let's keep it in like a school. So Haley is part of your cumulative, your overall GPA. What about your, let's say these core courses, the kids in your house? Okay. So you're 83, 84 all over, but just these core courses, the kids are, eat, sleep, breathe, 
with me every day uh, yeah. or or just or just the 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 core parent things um so even even throwing Haley in but being there being able to be able to talk to him be able to guide him those types of things i mean i still can do that for Haley. in that case i'd probably bring myself to a 90 92 when you kind of look at the averages of everything um that core being there being able to kind of support the kids, support the family, uh, give them advice, steer them the way they need to go. Being that father figure, I, I can say that even for Haley, not being there with her all the time. Okay. And, and, I, and I just want to interject interject real quick. Uh, I asked the missus and she said I get a 92 on a husband. So. Oh, boom. Uh, I was going to ask that. That's, that's pretty generous of her, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to, you know, and I'm gonna put that. I, I like that. I'm actually taking notes. But um, this is this is actually I've asked this question to friends, including their wives before, and it, it, it I always usually see a trend. And um, I'm actually a little different from everybody. So if I had to start off as a husband, I'd probably give myself that same 90 to 92 rising. As a father, I probably would still give myself a high B. Hmm. 88, 89, 87 to 89. And I struggle with that sometimes, but the reason. I think I will give myself a higher grade as a, a as a husband, and I'm saying you guys think this any different, but I always see my marriage as a basis or the building blocks for being able to raise my kids. If that makes sense, yeah, I, I know you that. I know you're getting that. Yeah, yeah, because I I see a lot of, especially in our community where we always put our kids first. So we have two, three, four kids. Now they have two kids, you know, not putting my wife behind those two makes her the third most important person in my house. And so I, I try to go out of my way to make sure that I'm being a great father to my kids, but also know that if I'm a 90, 92, I mean, yeah, ninety ninety two as a husband, there's nobody else giving that that attention to my wife. Like my wife, my wife and I are both giving attention to our kids, so we make up my my eighty nine and her her ninety two still average out to eight. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You know. Yeah. Uh, um, so I actually asked this question to to a friend of mine who was going through some marital issues, and I asked that question, and they responded as about a 95 as a parent and a, a low B as a, a spouse. And the the question would be like, are you happy with that? And what would it take for you to be whatever your highest is? What if, you know, 94 as a father, but what would it take for you to be 94 as a husband as well? You know, are we putting that same emphasis on it? And yeah, I, I, I think I think a lot of separations and divorces are caused 
uh, by that people concentrating on the kids way too much and not concentrating on their spouse, not putting in that work uh, to maintain that relationship with their spouse because the kids come first. I got to get I got to take care of the kid. I'm, I'm, you know, practices, getting them school, getting them on the bus, getting them to daycare, taking care of them, got to help them with homework. And by the time you get nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock and you you lay down next to your spouse, Y'all tired, y'all end up going to bed. And so you might go a whole week without really having a conversation with your spouse. And so. And and the kids are so much easier to, like, I love my wife to death. But there's times where I'm like, if she don't say nothing to me for the rest of the day, I would be okay. (laughs) You know, and I say that. (laughs) You know, and I love my wife. Like, I tell anybody, I love my wife. That is the best decision I've ever made in my life but my wife knows how to get under my skin like nobody else in the world. And it's just because we're around each other so much. It's just, it's just the pains of marriage, you know, but even with my daughter being a miniature version of my wife, she's four years old. So if her and my wife did the exact same thing, I can't have the same reaction because my wife is a grown person, grown up and my daughter's a four year old. So, you know, you can't hold, you know, hold a grudge or, you know, stay angry at the kids as long. And so it's easier to, when you when you're tired and just dead to be able to have that affinity for the kid like it takes so much for me to be upset with my daughter even when i'm upset with her that only lasts so long because she's so adorable and then you know she gives you a hug and it's all yeah it's all over it's all over yeah me being mad at her or angry with her spoils her day the look in her eye yada 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 so and you're absolutely right, Rosie. Like I see that a lot where it's we focus so much on the kids that we forget that for one, our marriage is the reason the kids are here. You know, my wife and I try to celebrate our anniversary and we always make time for it because it's it is it's easy to just become father and mother. Roommates. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in that that family that, you know, mom and dad and forget to be husband and wife. So I always try to stress that, hey, let's, you know, try to be all a, you know, a parent, a a uh, spouse and to work on it continuously. So it was just something that was always on my mind. Uh, wanted to see how you guys rate yourselves as fathers and husbands and seeing if, you know, we kind of put it side by side like man and you guys do great jobs of husband so it's kind of weird you know hearing <laughs> you guys give you got yourselves such low scores but uh usually when i have this conversation it was with some guys that really have uh, a lot of room for improvement and they admit it so yeah. that's my time but I'm but pretty- i i i think us giving ourselves low scores is what causes us to be good husbands because we're constantly saying, I need to do better. I can do better. And so we're always thinking about how to be better and how to do better. So we don't just rest on our laurels and say, well, I took her out, you know, two months ago. We'll be all right. We're good. You know, we got to spend that extra time. Yeah, true. Byron, you've been quiet over there, man. What's what's on your mind? Well, uh, first thing for, for those that are listening, if you heard any type of glitch, it was because I was trying to get my wife in here to answer that question. 
and she did not want to be on the screen, on the microphone. She did not want her voice anywhere on it. So I wound up asking her what my grade was. So hopefully Razio was able to edit it out. If not, it's my fault. Blame me. That's where the whole little glitch came in in that segment. Second, man, um, as we told the listeners before, we don't discuss our topics before the show. We just throw it out there to get that natural reaction. And the last two times I knew what I was going to talk about. This was the first time I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I just was kind of I was going to go off, um, you know, what you guys brought up first. So since you kind of kept it in the realm of marriage, Ferg. I guess I'll go there, and it, I guess it could kind of be controversial depending on our answer. So, tread lightly, fellas. So, <laughs> you tried to get us in trouble <laughs> a few weeks ago, man. You know the whole uh, Nicole Murphy thing with her cheating with a married man and stuff. Well, she didn't cheat, but the, the dude was cheating on. Uh, I can't think of her real name, but Sunshine from Harlem Nights, uh, you know, cheated on her. And everybody had their input, and I pretty much kind of, as far as social media-wise, I kept it to myself. I think in our private groups, we may have discussed it a little bit. But my question to you guys is, and if you don't want to answer it, like, you know, in your personal situation, just hypothetically, because, you know, I looked at the situation, I was like, okay, uh, I think her name is Leela. Yeah, she she put on some weight, but I heard it was because she has lupus or whatever the case may be. But just looking at Nicole and looking at her, I was like, you know, a lot of men are visual. He's wrong, but I guess I get it. But I guess the right thing would have been if that's how he feel, he should he should have left her. Ferg, in the past, you have admittedly said that you were shallow and that you would. <laughs> I might have said that once or twice. (laughs) So you, I remember, you know, you really don't want, um, you know, your significant other to put on a substantial amount of weight. So being all three of us being married or whatever, I want to get your take on it, like again, again, it doesn't have to be your personal situation. You can speak hypothetically. There's a safe zone, fellas. But hypothetically, how this do you is speak? Not a safe zone. This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> People are listening and judging us right now. <laughs> but what do you think, though, about um, like, oh, uh, you know, a significant other that you marry and they wind up putting on a substantial amount of weight? How do you feel? about that situation does it doesn't have to be a man because we as men usually are the ones that put on weight before the women so how do you feel about a significant other almost in a way demanding that their spouse stay in shape and look reasonably how they did when they first got together well I guess I'll start since you kind of threw me out there (laughs) you (laughs) in my defense rising he said that on like Twitter one time so he He did did. he did (laughs) But it, it, it's crazy. Um, one thing I think I do really well is I'm honest with myself, honest with the people around me. And believe it or not, one of our, my first conversations, if not the one of the, it might have been the night I met my wife, I told her I was shallow. Damn. Okay. Um, but I, I'll, I'll go to us. Like we're, we've had those conversations. We started talking about that early on. In the grand scheme of things, if, you know, 
butterflies, sunshines, rainbows, all that stuff. If your spouse gains weight or whatever the case may be, you should love them no matter what. And I agree. I there's I will love my wife no matter what. The caveat to that is I always want to be attracted to my wife. I think that's that it sounds shallow, but it's important. It's just realistic. You know, I think a lot of men out there that might be cheating or women out there might be cheating. That's not their goal, but it's they're missing something. I always want to be attracted to my wife. I met my wife at 21. I was almost 28. We just had our second child. My wife is still gorgeous to me, beautiful. And but I know she'll never be the 21 year old that I met 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And neither will I be that person. But I think it's important to at least attempt to remain attractive for that person. You know, when you just chalk it up as an L, like, well, I had your kids, this is baby fat and all that stuff. You should love me no matter what. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but what are you doing for me? What? Yes, you're raising my kids, once again, going back to being a mother, but as my spouse, I still want to be attracted to you. Like, I, I work out to for my health, first of all, but I also want to be in shape and attractive for my wife. I'm 38 years old, almost 39. My wife is 31. So part of my thing is I, I still want to remain in shape. And she tries to remain in shape as well. We 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 feel like we owe that to each other. We want to, we know how important physical attractiveness is to, to in our relationship. And we admit it, you know, it doesn't sound great but it is what it is so in her case it was a medical issue and i would stick with her through thick and thin i would think you know but i, I don't know what i would have did in the with the nicole murphy because that is nicole murphy who by the way has had some um some scalpel help herself yes so if you can afford to get it done man yeah i can't be mad I just want to put that out there. Like people were saying, well, you know, obviously his wife is lazy and you got to get out there and grind like Nicole Murphy doing. It's like, eh, it's not all grinding. She, you know, went under the knife. But go ahead, Rodney. Yeah. So I'm going to preface this answer with cheating is unacceptable in any situation. <laughs> so <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, so, oh, yeah, I agree. I just like how he put that out there. <laughs> so, before we go down that road, I mean, because the thing about it is, no matter, I, I think you said it, uh, Byron, no matter how he felt, if that, if it was that serious where he was no longer attracted to her and he didn't, he, he could have broken that marriage off uh, or, or separated before he went uh, down that road with somebody else. Um, You know, if he hadn't had that conversation that, Hey, I need you to be physically attractive. Like Ferg said, we had the conversation. I'm telling you what I need. Uh, If he hadn't had that conversation with her uh, and then tried and tried and tried, helped her out. I I saw some posts about, well, he should have got a gym membership and took her with him and this, that, and the other to try to make sure that, you know, she stayed fit and helped her stay fit. Uh, and, And then, if it didn't work out, you guys go your separate ways. If it's that serious for you. So there's no excuse for him going out, kissing another woman or, or cheating on his wife. Um, but with that being said, Ferg, I agree. You have to be attracted. And, and, and 
not to say, you know, being bigger doesn't make you attractive either. That's the other part about it. I mean, you guys know I've, I've dated some bigger women. I mean, I like the BBWs as well. So it's not like, you light, know. Light. Like, <laughs> I, I like my wife right now. That's all I like. That's all I like. I, I don't see nobody else. Baby, I love you. But anyway, <laughs> when it comes down to it, um, you know, size doesn't mean equate to attractiveness. And so we got to get out of that mentality of, uh, you know, you got to be a size two, a size zero to be attractive. You know, the the little bit of extra weight or a lot of extra weight for some guys is very, very attractive. Um, so it's just about open communication and honest communication with your spouse. And if you guys have that, I think you'll be OK. For me, the little bit of extra weight that I actually try and Jenica will tell you, I try to get her to put on some weight. So. Because she's she when we first started dating, she was a size zero and she wanted to be a size zero forever. And I'm like, wait till you hit 30, baby. It, it's you're not gonna be a zero forever. And um, and so I'm like, that that weight actually looks good on her to me. I I, I like her a little curvier. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to get her to put on weight, and she is the one that's like, no, I don't want to do it. So it, it's as long as she's happy with her body, whatever it is, whatever size, I think I'll be fine with it and I'll be happy with it because I'm I'm for me it's not about the physical when I'm attracted to a, a woman. It really is about the mental, the spiritual, the energy you're putting out and, and that's what attracts me to you. I want to be able to have a conversation. I want to be able to like you and and, and that part of it, um the, the physical really isn't as important to me. I, I agree with you, but I also challenge you first of all i'm a preface and i agree with you wholeheartedly about weight so it just it's just and i think i talk about being attractive like i like my wife with a little more little thicker as well like she just had this baby and now we're trying to figure out how to manage this weight and keep some of this weight on you know like <laughs> I, don't need you to, I don't need you to go back to this size i, I want you to keep some of this, this on but at the same time it's not being attractive all the time and there might be things about her and going back to the original situation that the 80, 20 rule. Um, what's, what's her name, Byron? Uh, we're going to call her sunshine from Harlem. Okay. Sunshine, <laughs> sunshine could have had a perfect personality, you know, great cook, great mother, like all these things, 80% of the things that this person wants, but that 20% that looks, it might not even been the weight. It could be that. And of course it was, the That's internet. a great point. Internet, internet was every time, so they probably showed the worst picture of her, you know, compared to uh, Nicole Murphy looking her best. Mm. But at the end of the day, my wife, the reason I'm with my wife is not because of the way she looks. You know, none of us are with our wives because of that. It definitely helps because we have beautiful wives, but that's not the reason. So... And the fact that he just wanted to leave is like, I don't want to lose all this, but at the same time, I'm not attracted to this. So I think this is when, when you said the roommate situation, this is what, what, how a lot of people become roommates. Like they have so many great things going on, this vibe, but that, that physicality, that husband and wife trait, that this is my partner, you know, hey, this is my partner through thick and thin. I know she got my back. She can raise my kids. She does all this. I do all this. We have this. But be waiting to 
look at my wife a certain way, you know, because um, I think it's big. I think that helps you get through the tough time, you know, still being able to be attracted to that person. Not necessarily just by size, but just being attracted to them. So um, and, and hard, I think it's harder than we make it seem when you just say, just leave. Because I don't think anybody wants to just give him the benefit of the doubt, doesn't want to leave his his wife who's going battling this this sickness, but yet instill his urges, not once again not condoning cheating at any at any point by male or female, it is wrong. Once again, it is wrong. So that is that is my disclaimer. I stick with it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not as cut and dry. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I, I also want to say you you said it's, it's it sounds shallow for you to say you know you want to always be attracted to your wife, but I don't I don't think that's really all that shallow. Like like it all plays a part. Like you're not with her just because she looks good, but you know that was part of it, man. And I think for women, what kind of enrages them a lot is I think for the most part, from what we see. You see plenty of attractive women with a bigger, more rotund man from time to time. So I think from a woman's point of view, it's kind of like, you know, once we love you, we love you. Even if you gain weight, we stick it there with you guys. Yet if we put on some weight, you're looking for the next young, hot, slim thing. And I I think for them, that's what causes a lot of the uh the the disappointment in the whole situation, man. But I agree, but I think. I think a lot of times we're not being realistic with each other. So your question, what you just said reminds me of my question to a certain extent where when I talk to women and why do they marry guys, usually it's like they look at, they stop looking at, at that man as a husband, but more as a father than a provider. And so you got to think for most young ladies and women from day one, they're, they're taught this is what love looks like. It's the provider, it's the being a mother and all these things. The romance or the the physicality of it isn't, I guess, portrayed or or, or basically, I don't know. It's, it's not as big of a deal from day one, from what I see. Yeah, so society hasn't taught yeah. girls that, that it matters as much. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's can the guy provide for you. I mean, as far back as, you know, look at the color purple, right? It was all about, they didn't care if Mr. was you know, attractive or not, it was all about could he provide for you? Uh, and, and that was it. So, you know, yeah. and, and as long as he was providing you for you, he could actually go cheat. You know, you, you talk about our grandparents' generation. Oh, yeah. the, the husband could go, as long as he was providing, he could go cheat as much as he wanted to, and you couldn't say anything. You couldn't leave him. You know, and and but now it's getting a little different. Now women are saying, no, I am going to leave. They have that that empowerment to be able to do that part. Um, but I think that that mentality of as long as he provides for you, it's good enough, uh, is okay with, or is still ingrained in some of us. And, and that, and I, and I think they, and women, love to hear what you guys have to say. I think a lot of times they default to mother and father, where the sex, the, the sexuality and the, the, the attractiveness is not as big of a deal. It's just, I don't have to be attractive because I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, 
we, we, we as men don't grow up and start looking at them as mothers and providers and, and spouses. We, we look at them like we're trying to date them again. I, I, I liken it to, you know, when, when people talk about a resume gets you in for the interview, but then you still have to interview, you still have to do the job. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it with uh, this, you know, your attractiveness gets you into the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, you got to work to keep the job and you got to work to get the job and everything. Um, the problem is that guys too often don't get past the interview stage and we still are interviewing other people. We, you know, we, we always make sure that we got some resumes on deck <laughs> and some, some, uh, and we always checking the, uh, the talent that's out there instead of us just saying, this is my pick. This is who I'm going with and, and rolling with it. Yeah. And I think it might be because of the job descriptions are different. <laughs> right. So <to> say, <laughs> you know, it, it's not, it's not a doing a, now I don't want to label, I don't believe in any absolute. So I'm not saying all women are all men are a certain way, but a lot right. of times I think about going back when I talk to women, like when they talk about what they're looking for in a husband, I'm pretty sure the top five of the list is somebody who's going to be a good father. They start playing house. They like they start. This is their idea of what being grown is. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were young, young boys growing up, it was all about, you know, how many women you can have. You know, I remember being a little kid and my uncles asking me how many girlfriends I had. You know, you you don't yep. ask. You know, which is problematic. Right yeah, now. definitely yeah. problematic. That's a whole yeah. other conversation, but it's. From day one, we're taught different things. You know, we're, you know, a lot of times men almost see marriage as defeat. Like, well, you know what? I got to go and might as well marry her. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I might as well. Because it's... it's, it's, (laughs) I guess it's time to settle down. (laughs) Because you think about it, like, we weren't at 18 thinking about, man, I can't wait to marry this chick. But I remember the girls I dated. I know all your girlfriends in high school. Like it was <laughs> Rosie and da 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 together forever. You know, like all on Trapper Kid. Like girls using your last name. A lot of women fantasize about marriage, but it, it's the the motherhood and all those things that lead up to it. Definitely. So. And I'm going to pass it to you, Rice. I just wanted to say, I like I like what you said, Ferg, in the sense that we don't necessarily know that's why he cheated. It could have been something completely different. And, and, you know, he already had a familiarity with Nicole. But let's just say it was that, you know, I just want to say on, on a final thought on it is if, because he seemed to be uh, fairly in decent shape. So usually when you're married, you're in the house, you're eating the same thing, you know, so it seems like if if that was the case, then they were they could have been already growing apart. Like he was he was being active, going to the gym. She was not, you know, um, interested in what he was. So it, it could be something deeper than just you put on weight. I think for some couples, you know, hey, babe, I'm going to the gym. You want to come with me? Now nah, I'm going to stay home, and eat these pork rinds. Like not saying that this is their situation. I'm just saying hypothetically in couples that happen like this. Like, so it may not be that she put on weight. It's just that, hey, we have these almost separate lives now where I'm into this and they're into that. So, and, 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 and you're right. And I always want to put this 
it's I think it's, it's it's intent. To me, one of the most important things in marriages is Hell yeah, yeah. having the right intent. So just for example, let's say I go to the gym, my wife wants to get back in the gym and and I say, hey, babe, you know, you gain a little weight or whatever the case may be. Let's go to the gym together. And she goes and she starts working out, but she can't lose it. But I know she's the fact that she's going and trying. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 knowing that this person's in there with me. Like yeah. I'm trying to get a six pack back. My six pack doesn't agree with me, but I still go in the gym. My wife knows I'm trying to get it back. So it's, <laughs> it's you know, but hey, babe. I'm going to the gym. I think we should work out together. Da, 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 da. And you're like, no, I'm not. Everything else in her life is more important than working out for health reasons. And like, hey, my husband just asked me to work out. Maybe there's something that I'm I'm missing. And not saying women are just have they're 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 supposed to sit there and a lot of revolve around men. But at the same point, if my wife asked me to do something that I knew was bothering her, and my isn't am I going to push it to the curb because of whatever else, all the other things in my life that take priority over it. So. But, but, but Ferg, I want to just jump off of that real quick before I get into my question, and then we'll move on. But like when you were talking about not to say women or, or women's lives should revolve around men. I, I think that's like a false negative because as, as spouses, your life should revolve around your spouse. there's no other way to do it. Uh, If if you guys are in this kind of relationship where we revolve around each other and we help each other and we make decisions, because as soon as one person makes a unilateral decision that changes the family, um, you start to uh, grow apart right there. So it it needs to be that you guys are revolving around each other. I think that's what you were trying to talking about with the, the uh, parents having to put some time for themselves before the children yeah, uh, it, it needs to be you two against the world yeah and uh, my the way i was referencing it was not to lose yourself because my wife says jump and you jump like mm-hmm. you're you're not here to say okay well i need you to be a size zero and you're like dude i'm a size 12 and i'll never be a size zero and i'm not gonna go to the gym and start myself because of this i'm willing to work out i understand that you you have need or you know so yeah, i could be a fit 12 yeah, <laughs> I was about to say a size twelve. It, it, it can look good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not knocking any of it. I'm just saying, you know, having unrealistic expectations or necessarily catering is being one sided. I guess that's the way it is. You know, cool. bring us home, Razzy. All right, man. Uh, great discussion, guys. Well, mine's not as serious. As <laughs> My this. bad. Um, so, no, I, I think that's that's a good thing. We can come back and uh, lighten it up a little bit. Um, so we've had this discussion in the group chat a couple times, and everybody who we're class of 99, LaFleur, All Day Law, LHS, and we just recently had our class reunion, and turnout was pretty small for what I've seen some of the other class reunions uh, and but I've seen that happen from 98, 2000. Uh, there, there's a lot of classes that I've seen their classroom units get smaller and smaller over the years. And so I brought the question up in the group and I wanted to bring it up to you guys here is do you guys think that social media has kind of put a hindrance or a, a dampening on the, the purpose of a classroom? Union? Like, do I need to have 
a class reunion, when I see these people on social media every day, day in, day out, I know their every move um, versus going back and hanging out with those folks again. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think it has. Um, of course, there could always be other factors, but, you know, my idea of class reunion, you know, was pretty much painted by TV. Like I remember Al Bundy going to his on Married with Children. I remember Martin going to his, you know, Pretty Ricky is what they call him. But now in today's age, Martin would already know what Ricky Fontaine was up to. He would already know uh, who's married to who and, and how many kids they have and stuff. It's like, you know, with, with, with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else we have. There, there is no hunger to know what's going on in a classmate's life that you haven't seen in person in over 10 or 20 years. Like you may not have seen them in person, but you see them every day on on social media. So I think the the hunger to to really want to get there has died down a little bit. Um, I was a little disappointed to turn out from what I saw. But then, like you said, Rosie, I saw the same type of turnout for 98 and from other schools, not just LaFleur, like other schools in other states, it seems like the class reunion is not that big of a deal as it used to be. And I, I definitely think so, social media has a, a place in that. Yeah. And so, and that kind of goes to the advent of the all class reunion. That's another thing that LHS is uh, big on in Mobile and you guys see every, other schools are trying to do it now can't do it as well as us sorry guys but uh, with that being said I think the all class reunion is a good change where you can go back and relive those glory days and talk and laugh and joke about just about high school kind of like we did at the start with the Mr. Marshall segment um, while at the same time having that larger turnout well the answer is yes but I think it's two parts to it. I don't. I don't think it's just that it's it's social media, and I get to see my classmates on a regular basis or interact with them. But if you look at generations and how the world is moving, anyway, we're getting away from human interaction, like face-to-face human interaction. So it's it's not that I just get to see them and I know what's going on. Being in front of somebody or even having, think about how many times you might not answer a phone call, but you'll text somebody back. (laughs) I think it's that same thing where we're not craving that interaction like that anymore. It's, you know, which I think is the bad thing considering the fact that I you get close to these classmates, you get to stay in touch with them. And now we get a chance to go out and have fun or interact and go to a club or do whatever we're going to do, go to church together. I'd rather just be your friend on the social media page. And maybe it's because I can be whoever I want to be on social media. But when we get face to face, can't fake it can't fake it or is that same interaction like do we have that same connection that we have we joke we joke back and forth on Facebook but we get get in front of each other and we can't how's everything going this right you know how are you all right see you 10 years from now five years from now so uh, 
I think uh, we're getting away from that human interaction phase and um, social media is a big part of it. Yeah, I can see that. I didn't even think about that where, you know, the, the, we as humans just don't want to interact as much anymore. I mean, um, me and Jenica will, will joke about it's too people out there. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, oh, I can't people today. Like we don't want to go and interact and everything. Uh, and so having to say, I'm going to go and be with people that again, I haven't seen in 15, 20 years. Um, you know, does is that a good use of my time? Is that it, 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 and my energy? Because I have to expend so much energy just to be around people and interact with them and talk with them. Um, and and do you want to do that or not? And so I always found it hard. I mean, you guys know I, I talk about you know me and and my PTSD and not wanting to go out, not wanting to interact. And so it's hard for me to say and get my mind around, I'm going to go and interact with folks that, you know, even if I liked them in high school, even if I enjoyed that time with them in high school, uh, going back and reminiscing, it's still hard for me. So, um, you know, I'll pay my dues and, and, and end up not showing up. So because I, I thought I wanted to go up until the day I, had, I needed to leave Birmingham <laughs> to go down to Mobile and still won't go. But to your question. Are there too many distractions in life, period? Like, is there just so much you can do outside of go to a classroom unit? You know, I think about when, like Byron said, when I was watching classroom unions in the, on shows in the 80s and 90s, people weren't, they didn't have the, the full lives that we have. Like, there's, like, I can find something to do every night here, away from my house, away from my family or with my family, whatever the case may be, am I looking forward to the classroom? I mean, how high up on my list of priorities is it uh, sit? Because there's so many more things, and not saying our class, but it's an average person that can just take pressing, I mean, uh, priority over it. I would love to see the numbers on, say, a generation ago, how many people moved away from their hometown to start a new life in a, a faraway city versus now. It's, I would think and assume that it happens a lot more now. And listen, you know, me being in DC, Ferg, you in Houston, we're not, if we don't live in Mobile, it, you know, we really have to plan in advance to come to a, a class reunion. And so if it doesn't fit in our schedule, or, or other people's schedule, they may can't make it versus the majority of the classes a generation ago, most of the people stayed, got a local job, and they were already living in town. So I wonder, like I said, I would like to see the numbers on that, but I wonder if that plays a part to where, you know, people just don't have the time or finances to travel back home for a class reunion to see a bunch of people that they pretty much know how their life is going anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, it's been a good show, fellas. Uh, thank you for keeping it light and airy. <laughs> you know, I think got a little too serious. <laughs> uh, ladies, if you didn't appreciate our answer, I hope you appreciate the fact that we were brave enough to even try to tackle that subject and navigate and try to avoid as many landmines as we could. 
all three of us acknowledge we have blind spots in certain areas. And Ferg always encourages you to give us feedback. And if it's uh, constructive criticism on one of our answers, we're open to it, man. We we always trying to get better. Yeah, definitely. We don't hey need guys, guys, don't forget, um, always, if you like what you're hearing, click subscribe. Make sure you uh, tune in for the next episode. All right. I always wanted to say this. Spain through your pets. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you didn't watch that bar? The price is right. Was it the price is right? Yeah, the price is right. Bob Barker, baby. I mean, I watch it, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know how familiar I am with it, but okay. Yeah, he ended every show like this, so I'm going to do my Bob Barker. <laughs> you know, Byron, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? I don't know how I missed that, though, because I watched the many Young and the Restless that would come on after that, so. Hey, man. Who knows what I'll <laughs> Circa. Bro, we just, once again, going back to, to skip school and watch Young and the Restless. <laughs> oh, man, we was watching Jerry Springer. <laughs> that was, that was, young and the Restless came on before that. Victor Newman was my role model. That dude's still alive and still on the show, as a matter of fact. And still up here. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know that, Byron? <laughs> Believe it or not, man, they have it on in our break room sometimes, man. I'm like, oh, Victor Newman's still on there? So, yeah. Wow. That's it. <laughs> All right, people. Thanks once again for tuning in to Three Brothers No Sense. Uh, see you next show. 